0: listening to the cynic weekly if you enjoy our weekly podcast you might be interested in finding out how to access even more cynic content by signing up for a full cynic subscription at the cynic.co you'll have access to celtic related podcasts throughout the week for a monthly fee you get access to a range of podcasts covering your favorite football club we cover a range of topics from news and current events to the history of the club analysis of games player profiles coverage of the women's team quizzes and much more We have our own app or you can download your private RSS link to podcast players. You can also access content via our website so you can listen in the way that works for you. To find out more, visit thecynic.co or email info at thecynic.co. We pride ourselves in being an independent platform. You won't be bothered by any outside advertising or folk trying to sell you stuff and you can cancel your subscription at any time. Thank you so much for listening to and supporting The Cynic.
1: Hello and welcome to The Cynic Weekly. It's Thursday the 16th of March 2023 and I'm your host Chris Gallagher and we're going to talk about everything in the world of Glasgow Celtic. I am joined this week as always by our good friend Christopher Samani. Hello Christopher, how are you? How are things?
2: Terrific, good, glad to be here. I called remotely tonight, looked outside at the weather and I thought, smashing, lovely. (laughs)
1: Yes, uh, it's it's pissing down with rain at the, at the moment. Although I think it's kind of on and off. But yeah, it's living in Glasgow, all the seasons in one. Correct, and correct. All that, and all that stuff. freezing,
2: roasting, all that part, all right.
1: that stuff. Sounding the like old guys, no question about it. Um, we're also joined by our good friend Alan Edgar. Hello, Alan. How are you, sir? I'm good,
3: mate. I'm good. A wee retro recording on Zoom tonight. Just throwing it back. Covid hasn't gone away, you know. So, hi. Uh, <laughs>
1: crack on. Jesus, okay, yeah, sure. Uh thanks for that reminder, Alan. Uh everyone be safe out there, you know, you know, make sure you take all precautions. Um but yeah, it's good to we, we are doing it uh, kind of via Zoom for the first time in a while and it's something we we try to avoid, but uh some situations you just can't. So, um yeah, let's um how how are things? Um we'll start with yourself, Alan. How are you? What's been up? We had you on the agenda which drops every Monday. Uh you, Kieran, Devlin, and myself. Um what's been how's your week been?
3: It's, it's been good mate, yeah, lovely, um, met you for a couple of beers on Monday which was pleasant Monday club, yes. I enjoyed that, enjoyed it on Monday, not so much on Tuesday I have to say um, and all been good otherwise, no midweek game this week so uh, on a Saturday we go oh. and I know that will give Samani a wee smile because they'll be thinking what a non-answer answer
1: <laughs> uh, And talking of people who have non-answer answers, Chris Samani how are you, how's your week been, what have you been up to?
2: Let's get the pleasantries out of the way Busy, busy. All good, all good. No midweek game. On to the weekend. <laughs>
1: Pathetic, uh, but, fair, but fair play. Um,
2: yeah, you don't l- ask us. You, you don't ask us like what films and all that we've been watching. I'm, I'm not suggesting that you do, but
1: you know you don't go that angle, Chris. We don't really do that angle at all anymore. To be honest. Um, yeah, yeah, we used to do it on the agenda. We used to start with the. Uh, um what films do you like and, and all that. Um some people like that, some people did not. Uh mm. and so we uh we swiftly moved on. It. Yeah, we made it all about uh Celtic to be fair. Although having said that, um the Celtic um I got the I, I know I missed it at the time, the kind of we don't stop documentary, kind of behind the scenes thing. Uh I started watching some of it today, and just because I haven't I meant to watch it at the time, hadn't had time sat and watched some of it today and my god see just see seeing behind the scenes of stuff like that it just absolutely it's an absolute thrill and an absolute joy and i think like the opening scene is like anthony ralston just geeing everybody up it's really, really good alan have you watched it yes i watched it in the first day it
3: came out if i'm if i remember right because i was eagerly anticipating it um i thought it was really good one of the better ones actually the last few years I've promised a lot, a lot of apparent behind-the-scenes footage and then actually when it's came out, it's, you know it, it hasn't been. So no, it was good. I really enjoyed it. Took it gets time to bring it out right enough, I'd be a big fan of these getting produced and uh, right. as just clips. you know, There's not a lot of original content in it. They'd, I think there's an interview with Callum McGregor that's obviously post-season, but I would like these things out and especially if we were successful this year, they tied me over the summer, right. to be honest. So um, I would like it sooner, and longer. Please. <laughs> with with Just cut that. Cut yep, that right there.
1: Yeah, and, and, and more uh, more original content and uh you'd like deliver to your door, like with you when you I, get your I, milk.
3: What I basically want to see is we were talking about this the other day, um because we were talking about old Celtic videos. I'd like to see the players playing pool, basically. I want to see who's the Who's the character? Who's good at pool? Who's not good at pool? Who's the whipping boy? That's the kind of content we want to see.
1: Absolutely. Uh, so, Samani, what about yourself? Uh, did you watch that DVD? Do you watch these sorts of DVDs? Is it a big interest for you?
3: No. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Sounds good, though.
3: No,
1: I mean, it's like, I've not got a DVD player anymore. Yeah, uh, you can get it by other means. Wink.
3: I, I know for a fact, Mr. Samani, you've got a platform that you could watch this on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: it was his platform that I watched it today. So, that's, yeah. right, right, right I'm not saying, anything. but um, you're not a big fan of the, the old sellout DVDs and all that, uh, Samani. You no, know, they like videos and uh, I don't uh, have a DVD player. All oh, right, well, I mean, just <laughs> like on Target and all that. Did you not watch them when you were a wee guy? Oh, I
2: I, I, did, I did. I haven't watched this one, and I, I must say, the old appetite's been whetted. By your description of it, there. Thanks. Um, and I'm, you know, I will seek it out. I will watch it, and I will review it on uh, another future podcast. And all uh, oh, that pool part of it, Alan was coming out. I'm, I'm right up for that too. So, um, give me that content. But what's it called? We don't stop.
1: Uh, we don't stop. I think it's called yeah.
2: Right, okay. I'll uh, I'll see see if I can. Procure that from somewhere.
1: Ah,
3: he bother. He's, he's going to find a platform and then he's going to watch it and review it on his brand new blogging website <laughs> that he's um, currently setting up.
1: <laughs> it's, called, it's called Sir Manny Talks and he gets all the characters on it. Don't you worry about that. Um, anyway, <laughs> um, like I said, We've got plenty of questions. Thanks for everyone who uh, submitted a question. We're probably not going to get through all of them because there was a lot this week and uh, we appreciate you taking the time. Hopefully we'll get through them um, over the week. Because um, obviously after this Saturday which we'll talk about. It's an international week, so there's there's no games for a while. Um, okay, so opening question is from Kenny. Kenny actually sent a two-part question. So I'm going to read out his first part because the second part, we've had lots of people asking, that's about uh, the Japanese manager's quotes about the players and stuff. So we'll get to that later on in the pod. Uh, but opening question. I believe that Ange will look to sell the likes of Abada in the summer. Who else do you think he will try and offload and upgrade on Out with the obvious... Maybe Starfield. So I guess the the obvious would probably be Joe Hart. Uh, and again, no no disrespect to Joe. I think he's been he's been fantastic. But you know, if we want to improve on, on on every position, you would look at that. He's obviously a little bit older and stuff. So that would be the obvious one. I'd say. Is there any other ones that kind of stick out for you like a sore thumb? He mentioned Starfield here. Um, what positions, Chris? You know, maybe a bad going. Would you look at and say we really it'd be good to have an upgrade there.
2: Um. Hart's pretty easy. I mean, it's he's done a job for us, and he came in. He was the right person for us at the right time. After the the, the, the Lennon season and, and the form that Barkas didn't show for us, probably the best way of saying. Um, so I think I think that's a kind of no brainer in terms of if it's not. I'd want it to be next season, but if it's not next season, it's probably definitely going to be the season after that. On the right hand side, you, you know, we're badder. I mean, we've talked about it in recent podcasts about not writing the guy off. He's still young. But when you see the embarrassment of riches we've got on the left-hand side, you know, Jota plays there naturally. You've got Maida and Haxibanovic there that can play on the left. On the right, we've got an ageing James Forrest. Sorry for that, Alan. Um, We've got a badder who is kind of inconsistent. And and then your other option there is maybe kind of shoehorn and Jota in there, and I don't think he's as effective on the right as he is on the left. So I, I could see that the right-hand side of the front three is somewhere that we may want to upgrade on. The fact that we've got so many numbers there, though, even if they are more kind of back, kind of weighted towards the left-hand side, makes me think that that's maybe not somewhere we would we would kind of look at. On Starfield, see for me, I think a few people have mentioned that you know, in terms of would we would we want to upgrade in Starfelt I think it's more likely our hand would be forced, not to upgrade, but to replace Vickers, Carter Vickers, sorry, <laughs> because I think he's a guy, you know, one of a few players that we've got that you're starting to think it might be difficult to hang on to longer term. So I've, I would be inclined to think that Staffelt's not somebody that we move on, and it might be that we need to look at somebody that to come in for Carter Vickers instead. But I suppose it's that age-old discussion about. Both of them are, are fantastic centre-halves. Both of them are defensively very sound. But do you want somebody who's a bit more comfortable in the ball bringing that forward, breaking those lines? So, yeah, that, that, those are probably the areas where you would, um, you would look to upgrade. And I would say back up for left-back as well. But I'll stop talking and let Alan speak.
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll get to the, the left-back. Um, There's some news on Greg Taylor. We'll certainly get to that. Alan, what's your kind of take on that question?
3: I think the the interesting point probably is about we like the idea that we'll take whoever's lowest in any position's pecking order and we'll get rid of them and we'll bring in a first choice but I do think that is we've done that largely but we haven't done it necessarily for every position and I think it's maybe a bit fanciful we think that we will do that Um, I do think that there will be interest in some of our key players this summer and that's inevitable. I don't think anybody in the squad is at the stage where they want away, but there will be interest, and I think we have shown that if the price, you know, is is right and the player is happy with a potential move, then we'll do business. So I think it's about being open to and being alert to the fact that you might have to replace in an area that you didn't think about, and I think we are a little bit better in that preparation than we maybe were two or three years ago. Although I don't think it's, I don't think we're. We're set for everywhere. I think goalkeeper will be particularly difficult. That will be a difficult market just because it is an extremely difficult market to buy in at the best of times. And I think our need probably is greatest in that area. Um, So it will be interesting if we can hold on to the players we really want to. And I think thereafter, people are maybe looking at some players who have impressed. I think that one of the really good strengths that we have is that players that we are potentially willing to part with, and I know some names have been mentioned there, I think given against any previous team we've had under any Celtic manager in my lifetime, we could lose players that aren't starters, but we would get real, real value for them in terms of, you know, if you were to sell Lee Labada, who is not a guaranteed starter, but he's a very effective player for us. But he's not a player that starts week in, week out. I can't think of another player that we've sold that would garner that kind of transfer fee.
1: Um,
3: Maybe Stuart Armstrong, there's kind of parallels there in terms of a player who at their best is very good for us, but you can still command a fee for. And I think we've got a number of players like that and that's quite, that's promising, that's interesting. Um, But I think we, we will need to kick up levels across the field and I think, as Amani mentioned, back up at left back, I still think that is an area that if you if we don't believe in Bernabeu or we don't see the development there between in the next two to three months, I think you'll be buying a player to compete directly with Greg Taylor there, as opposed to, you know, a, a younger player that maybe needs that um development. That, that's not a criticism of Greg Taylor, who I think has has been exceptional. Um I think it's again with that view to and we feels like we see this most weeks, it's with a view to those six Champions League games and really improving and as you get, as the squad improves, the decisions will get harder and harder. And that's why people will be surprised when they hear people talking about out because our defensive record is exceptional this season and he has been exceptional. But again, it is with the view of if we can improve, put on the trigger, potentially letting one go and bringing another in. And that'll get harder, um, hopefully, the, the longer that Angie's here um, because we are improving and we're improving all over the park.
1: Uh, I think that the point on, you know, that you make, Samani, about our hand might be forced if, you know, CCV is someone who, CCV's been magnificent for Celtic. You know, I know he only played that one game at the World Cup, but still, you know, World Cup player um, being fantastically great for us. You can see how good he is. Um, But I get the suspicion, suspicion, um, that the kind of the clubs that will come in for CCV won't be clubs that are going to qualify for you so we always think about the english premier league and how that's if you want to sell someone or someone's going to go you dangle the carrot in front of them and you know hopefully that's you know you'll get more money than any other league that you sell to but ccb i don't doubt has suitors in the english premier Mm -hmm. league but i don't think they'd ever be suitors that will make it to the champions league or the europa league and what i would say on that is i think that is still a big i think if you're a player and you get a taste for that and there's a, a guaranteed option of playing in that tournament again the season after i think you probably stay the season after this is me obviously just talking myself into hoping that carter because is going to stay but a guy like him who could go down to someone like i just i'm going to pick someone like an, an everton or even an aston villa do really really well but you know what's the chances they get into the champions league whereas you know, as uh, we're at this point, we're guaranteed, not guaranteed, but it looks like we're going to be guaranteed. It. Is that as big a sort of a carrot for these players, do you think, or do you think they just want to play in England and that's it?
2: Well, Cash is king, I think, I think that does come into it in terms of of the thought process and staying. But I think the perfect example, I mean, Tierney's the outlier, he went to a traditionally big English club. Now, even at the time, they were on. On, on the downs Sort of thing They're obviously Top of the league Just now and You know He's featuring Sometimes he's not Featuring all the time But he's He tends to be the outlier Take Van Dyke. He's a guy who Didn't get a look in Really for the Dutch squad When he was here Moved to Southampton Was Excellent for them Very quickly Obviously we know What's happened to him He's the Dutch captain And the plays for Liverpool Liverpool didn't sign him straight from us. They could have saved a fortune if they had done that, but he went to Southampton and played that season there. That, without more evidence, like Tierney, that still seems to be the route that people will go to. And then what's factored into that is the players' confidence in terms of then being able to impress at a Premier League club and maybe attract a bigger Premier League club. Now, as a centre-half, I think Carter Vickers has got a lot Of what top clubs would want He's a bit smaller than some centre-halves And I think that's maybe one of the reasons Why he's ended up at us Because I think you'll find a lot of clubs Will look at profiles in terms of what you want your centre-half to be And he doesn't maybe look exactly like that And that's maybe one of the factors why he's here But I don't think a move to England for him Would be necessarily about trying to replicate Playing in the Champions League I think it would be about Again, confident young man taking a move to a club that he thinks he could maybe then move on to the next level. Going back to your point about the Champions League being a pool, it is a bit different now because this season we went straight in. Hopefully next season we're going to go straight in as well. It's a pull, but see when you've got that whole war of attrition when you're going through 47 ties to even try and get there. I don't know I don't know if we've ever properly considered how that might be. When you're selling Celtic to a, like a new player and you say... We've qualified for the Champions League, and then there's a wee asterisks after it about what we need to go through.
1: Yeah, I, I ju- that I ju- was
2: different. So I suppose at the moment it's it's maybe a factor, but I, I don't know.
1: I I just yeah, that's a very good point. I just mean like this where we are specifically now. I was looking at some of the stuff um, from a couple of the kind of um, UEFA coefficient stuff on Twitter, and it it looks like we should be okay to mm. have guaranteed football and um, Champions League football next season if we win the league. I'm just talking about legitimately just next year with Carter Vickers, like you know he's young enough that he could go another year at Celtic. He could play in the Champions League, um, you know, make you know maybe impress, um, and you know maybe he goes into the Champions League game presses in that level of club that he could have got this summer. Maybe goes up a notch. What do you think, Alan? What's your thoughts on it?
3: Yeah, I think his development, and we were talking a wee bit about it Monday. His development in the time he's been here alone, I think has been significant. He's a far different player and he's a far superior player to, to you know the one that joined us in Deadline Day and um, Andrew's first window. He, he's just far more confident. I think he looks he looks a lot fitter, looks a lot leaner um, and he, he does, he's really grown into the system. And I think one of the, the strengths that he has is that I think of all the players in the team some are Extremely well suited to Angie's system. Some are not so well suited to the system. Carabickers looks to me like he is a real all-rounder and he could adapt to playing in, you know, other teams quite comfortably. Um he is a good all-rounder. I think he's quite he's just adept, um, one-on-one defender. I, I just feel like He's a type of player that a lot of teams would like, but I think he would definitely, if he wants to play, you know, the higher end of the Champions League, I think he would be a player that would need to make a stepping stone. Um, I don't think he would be the one that would be in the tier in the mold. I think he would be in the more um, Van Dyke mold of having to go and prove it. But every single one of those players in that team would back themselves to go down to any team down south and make a success of it. So I sometimes think, and it's maybe maybe a wee bit more siding with Samani here, but I think. We sometimes put a little bit too much stock into will he get a team in England that plays in Europe or will he not get a team that plays in Europe? Because I think most of the players, especially if they're, you know, on the kind of under 26, under 27, they'll back themselves to be such a success that they'll get to where they want to be as opposed to and need to play Champions League football. Because for us, especially in the last few years, Champions League football is six games of a, you know, 50, 60 game season. So I think. There is no doubting for most players, whether they're UK based, whether they're any of the Japanese boys, the English Premier League is where most players want to play, or at the very least, one of the top five leagues in Europe. That's something we're not going to be able to get away from or get round. You might be able to have players that are happy to play here and see this, but they will be the outliers. Most players will look at a two, three year period where they want to be here, be a huge success, love it, love the club, buy into it, and then move on. That's inevitable. I don't think we're at that stage for a lot of these players yet because I think the best is yet to come. But there will come a point when you know, players, especially the really top-level ones, will look at it and think, I want to step up to that next level and not play Libby three times a week. I, I don't think that's... You know, that's not me talking down the league or talking down the club. It's just the reality of it for players that,
1: you know, aren't, don't grow up in the west of Scotland, I suppose. Uh, Samani, so you wanted to come in?
2: Yeah, I mean... Moving on a wee bit from from Carter Vickers, I mean, obviously, okay, he's an American international, although he's not been called up, which I find a bit strange. Not been called up for for the latest squad. He obviously grew up in England, spent a lot of time there, so it seems natural to to, to link him with the Premier League. With regards to like Hatati, for instance, now uh, Hatati's a, a player that I think we all agree could play in a far higher league um than 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 he currently is. Yeah, but there's something for me that just this is maybe just in my head that I can see him playing in somewhere like Germany or Italy more than I can see him playing in the Premier League now that I'm not saying he's not capable he absolutely is but it just seems a more natural fit for his style in my head and it goes to the point that Alan said there about we all, it's always the English Premier League because of our proximity and because of its profile and I think most players want to be there but there are other markets that are going to be really attractive for a lot of our players and um, we kind of sometimes tend to forget that and we'll, what we need to remember as well, certainly in Italy there's certainly been a move to scouting here because they've picked up some Scottish players that have, 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 have came in and have moved over there so that's something that we probably need to be mindful of as well it's not, you know, obviously Frimpong went to Germany too it's not just the Premier League, yeah. there are probably other clubs out there who will be looking at some of our players
3: uh, Yeah, Alan yeah, I think just lastly on this as well, because it does feel like we're taught up our players moving away. The <laughs> only time the only time this feels like a big issue for us is when we don't trust that we'll replace players. And yeah. I think this is probably the best position we've been in in a long time and that most players in the team will like, be gutted if any of the first eleven go. But it doesn't feel the same as it would have been four or five years ago, where it was you build one team and that's the team that goes forward. This is does feel a wee bit like a team that can evolve, can handle loss, even in terms of you think about injuries that we've had under Ange, even last year when we didn't have anything like the squad strength. So I think there is a, if you trust that you'll replace, I think you're much more comfortable having these discussions and being flexible about players leaving as long as it's on your terms. If you are confident that the club will go and be able to recruit properly and spend the the, the right money then I think we're in a slightly better position there than we have been in a long time.
2: Uh, Very very last thing on it I think we've probably learnt a lesson When From the position we are When Ange first came in Because essentially I think we promised You know The family silver For big players Not to leave With absolutely No eye whatsoever On what we would do At the end of that season Um, As much as We probably don't trust The board still We've still got issues With that Even I would like To think that they're, They're mindful enough Never to let us Get into that situation again
1: Absolutely, great, great question uh, from Kenny, and, and great uh, discussion. Uh, let's look back at the the game against Hearts on uh, Saturday. We covered this on the, we had a reaction for it, and we also uh, we discussed it on the agenda as well as having a full tactical breakdown on the review as well. But, Sirmani, I'd like to hear your thoughts on it. Um, you know, it's four or five days out from the game. Uh, a lot of people, myself included, I don't know. There was just something about that game on Saturday that, that felt really pretty special. What's your thoughts?
2: Um, I just think it's a sign of how how good a side we are because, now, even from earlier in the season, you know, you go to Tynecastle; it's not an easy game, and I don't think it was, I mean, I, I have described the game as being easy, right, but I suppose as a contest it was over fairly early but I don't think it was easy because there was some spells when Hearts did have the ball and they, they caused us problems without maybe having any sort of penetration and attack you know, but at no point in that game did I think, well, after, I mean, from Hitati's shot, you know, before we scored, it. you know, we came out of the traps, and the minute we got that goal, at no point did I think the tie was in any danger at any point. It just it, it just looked as if we were a well-oiled machine and we got the job done. And then, being at Tinecastle Castle, and I know even before we got the third goal, it just seemed as if we were doing what we normally do, bringing players off, rotating other players on, Part of it just seemed like another game and we went there and we built it up and rightly so because of the third best team in Tynecastle, is an absolutely horrible place to go. But I don't think there was, you know, a poor performance in the park from us. I genuinely just, it was so pleasing to watch because we made something that we're nervous about a walk in the park overall. You know, and it's—I know I'm doing it a disservice in terms of how the game unfolded and, and what our players had to put into that for that to happen. But just from from start to finish, it just for me it just looked as if it was a done deal, and that's not something that you're used to at Tynecastle. So it, it was just brilliant to watch.
1: Celtic uh, came absolutely racing at the traps. Uh, we Adam Moy uh, scored in the second minute. Uh, Kyogo scored just before half time, and Carter Fickers really sealed it in the 80th minute. Uh, Alan you know Chris is, I think Chris makes some good points there Um when Celtic start on the front foot and really just put themselves into position to really take control there's there's no beating us in regard to if if Celtic turn up there are very few things that happen other than you know l- bad luck and bad refereeing that can really stop us stop us if we're in full flow
3: yeah, and I, I, I think Saturday was, the first half of Saturday was probably, uh, maybe domestically I think, and I, I know we had an ex- exceptional performance against Dundee United early in the season. Some of the best football I've watched this season, I think it's one of my favourite performances yeah. um, of the season, um, because I think you do add in that Hearts are the best of the rest, they're at home, it's a Scottish Cup game, it's massive, it's not a league game where you know if they don't win it doesn't matter too much, that's their season on the line, Um And it's nice to know that we can go into an environment like that and just continue to do what we've done since the World Cup. And the run between the World Cup and now, hopefully we'll finish it off on Saturday before the international break, has just been exceptional. Some of the most dominant performances, um, some of the most comfortable run of performances that I've seen from a Celtic team in a long, long time, just... I was talking to a mate about it earlier on today and I think it was at St Mirren, we went down early and it was an extremely frustrating first half. So if you have to go a goal down that early, you know that you'll get back in the game. You feel when it was so different, that performance, and it feels like between the World Cup, or the return since the World Cup and where we're at now, we have just stepped up a gear entirely and we're now starting to see the new guys coming in. You've seen that on Saturday with Kobayashi, Iwata... Um, coming in, being go-to guys, you know, the next next best, if you like, if there's an injury or fresh legs in the middle of the park. And it feels like our season isn't winding down, it's starting to heat up and that feels different a little bit from last year. Last year felt like it was a real, it was incredible, but it was a real run to the end of the season and we had to really stretch what resources we had. Whereas this year it feels like we have guys that are now coming in and they feel that Granted, there's only, what, hopefully nine or ten games left, 11, 12 in the season, whatever it is, hopefully an extra cup game. It feels like guys are thinking I've got that amount of game time to show that I'm the man for when the Champions League rolls around next season. And that's really, really exciting. Um, It does feel like this team has come on... Leaps and bounds from the the team that was last year, and I think Saturday felt like a not a crowning moment because it's a it's a quarter final against Hearts. You would expect to win it, but the manner of it, how comfortable it was, I think just shows how much we've grown domestically under under Ange and under the squad, and hopefully there's more to come.
1: Um, Chris, the big kind of uh, discussion before the match was Haksabanić. Um, and uh, you know we talked about this on the agenda briefly about uh, Alan thought he was very effective and, and and Kieran did too that he did what he needed to do he maybe didn't shine as brightly as we were maybe hoping in regards to kind of real moments of of kind of excitement and joy but he was effective what did you make of his performance?
2: Yeah, I thought he was good. I mean, obviously coming off the back of scoring the goal that he did against Hearts, coming off the bench and and there being the wee niggling thing in the back of a lot of people's heads after the cup final that he should start he maybe didn't maybe didn't have like a, a kind of highlight real moment if you will yeah but I, I thought his, his performance was absolutely fine and and I think even for those that didn't I think the argument would still be that he probably needs or deserves or whatever way you want to look at it a run of games to see what he's able what he's capable of doing um I don't think he was he, I don't think he I thought he was good in possession, I don't think he was kinda of that wasteful. But I can understand why people maybe wanted that kinda of, as I say highlight real moment he didn't get it. But I, I think he's a terrific player, as you remember last week I was all in on him. I'm not backing down on that just now. So um I'd be you know, there was nothing about his performance that makes me think that, you know, he then goes back down the pecking order. So yeah, I would I'd hope to see more of him going forward. Starting Saturday.
1: There's an expectation where, specifically, an attacking player, and I don't know if it's just since Ange came in, maybe it's always been there. And Alan, you always talk about the inconsistencies of wingers and stuff, but is it Chris, I'll start with you. Is it like a expectation that you have to really hit the heights every every game? Uh, and I know this team are performing fantastically well, and maybe that's just the pressure of the squad that you know people are expecting nines when in mm. reality on average, you'll probably hit more 7s than you will 9s. What's your kind of thoughts on that?
2: I think some of it comes from how high the standards are, and that's good. You don't want to change that. You you want to have that expectation. But Jota's a great example. Jota's put in a good few 9s for us this season, but there's been other games where Jota's been fairly ineffective, and that's really just because of... I, I don't think... I don't know if there's a science to it, but I think the the inconsistencies of the wide player is something that I would tend to agree with. It's, I think it's historically been something that's been acknowledged. You know that it, it it's just it's just um it's just common. So, uh, I think the fact that we expect more, I don't think I wouldn't want to change that. I think if you've got those expectations, it keeps standards high. Um, but at the same time, you don't want to throw. Um, players under the bus if they're maybe not hitting the heights every week maybe there's an example of that with Haxabanovich but I definitely would then point to Jota who's a perfect example of a guy who can you know really really kind of move to a high high level and then other weeks nothing comes off for him I just think that's just the nature of it
3: Alan? I, I think on that I think the manager as much the players always want to wingers will want to score they want to create they want to entertain that's just the nature of it um, the, the nature of playing that position. I think the manager, though, the one time that he's been extremely critical, he didn't name the player, but he was he dropped Jota and he was extremely critical of well, what I thought was him and his post match remarks because he didn't feel he was getting into the right spaces and getting into the right areas. And we always talk about the system being the kind of X factor of this team. I think if a player comes in and he gets himself into the right areas, he tries to do the right things. I think the manager puts a lot of stock into that because, again, he sees them in training, knows he's cap- they're capable of doing the exceptional, but what he wants to do them is perform their function in the team well. And we think of that traditionally for wingers as beating a guy and putting the ball in the ball. But I think for Ange, there's a little bit more work involved in it. There's a little bit more awareness of where they need to be when other players have the ball. And I think if they do that, and obviously scoring goals and all the other stuff that we tend to remember is extremely important as well. But I think the managers are a little bit more likely to say you tried to do the right things, whether it comes off or not. It will come off of you eventually, but I'm not going to penalise you because it didn't. Um, so I think, you know, we're talking about Hacks now. I feel like that's what he did against Hearts away. He tried to do the right things. He tried to get the right things. Maybe it didn't come off for him he didn't, he wasn't a kind of disappointment to the team, he didn't make wrong decisions, he didn't, um, you know, get lazy or anything like that, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets the nod again, because that's what the manager will rob because he knows the, the glory will come, the goals will come, it's just about making sure you do the right things and do what the kind of manager's asking for you, and I think that goes for any of the wingers.
1: Yeah, excellent point, Alan. Uh, Chris, do you want to come in? I think you can tell the
2: difference between someone who's maybe not getting the, the rubber of green or, or do, trying the right things and it not coming off. And, and Abada, who, when Abada has an an excellent game, you can see it, he's really apparent. But I think there's a difference between, like, Pax performance against Hearts and when Abada's poor. Now, it sounds as if I'm singling, singling Abada out here. All the caveats about his age and all that still stand. But that's why he then, you know, he, he quite often doesn't come in the team because... Sometimes for me, it's about a bader. Then is kind of deci- not decision doing making, decision making, the decision making, and not doing the things that the manager particularly wants. There's a difference there, where, you know. And even when I'm talking about Jota being poor, and I know that the manager did call him out. Generally speaking, he's he's not been a liability, you know, to use the phrase in terms of what he's trying to do. It's just that it's not working out. Whereas you can see certain players when they maybe do come in that. It, it is different it's just that they're maybe not doing the things that they do and it's maybe maybe take a type a step back to the training ground and work on that and go forward
1: yeah absolutely um As we say, Celtic uh, smashing hearts, Uh, terrific. Uh, As we say, there's a full reaction that dropped after the game that drops after every game, Um, and we also had a tactical breakdown of it um, on the review, which drops every Tuesday, and we discussed it on the agenda. So uh, full analysis of the game and the tie um, are available at thecynic.co, and we have all the analysis uh, for every game, so check it out. Um, So obviously the draw was made for the the semi-final, and we got Rangers. Um, and it's been confirmed that it's uh, Hamden on the Sunday, the April the thirtieth, with a one thirty pm kick off. Um, and also, I was just looking at the ticket prices; are actually cheaper than I, I thought they they would have been. Um, thirty eight quid uh, for uh, most of the stands. Um, firstly, your your thoughts on the draw, Alan? We we talked about it briefly on the agenda whether you wanted them in the semi or you wanted them in the final. Um, but it's now confirmed that we've got them in the semi. Um, what are you thinking?
3: Um, I it's fifty-fifty, well, Josh. I don't know what the odds were actually of getting Rangers in the semi. Someone that's Barry might be able to help preserve the fractions. Um, I, th- I feel like when you look at the other two sides that are there, it felt, and, and, that is, and this is disrespectful to Volker and Inverness, and no doubt if we get past Rangers, I'll offer them a lot more respect. But it kind of feels like if you go and to win the Scottish Cup this year, you're going to have to beat Rangers. Um, and that largely has felt like the, the way of this season, to be honest, as well. Even when you look at the league table this year, um, that that's really what what it's um, what, what it's come down to us being a lot better. Um, so, so it does feel that inevitable way, and I liked it. Uh, I think. I, use the phrase the king of the trebles um, on Monday yeah. if we had got Rangers in a Scottish Cup final because the idea of winning a treble and beating Rangers in both finals and beating them to the league was just immense, but a semi-final will hopefully do. Um, three games in a very short period of time against Rangers does make me slightly nervous because, I mean, I'm greedy, but that would be very greedy. Um, so it's going to be a lot. You You tend to find when you get a lot of games in a short window that you maybe get a couple of stuffy ones I just um, if we can pull it out of the bag at home um, and put the pillow over their face with regards to the league title and then the semi-final that would just be delicious to be honest so and then the last game do what you like lads go out the night before Ibrox I really don't care Um, and then throw that one that would be my my request but it's it feels like Saturday there we ended heart season for them um, because they are now playing out for third, I would love to do the exact same on April the thirtieth at Hampden and make Rangers' last what six league games largely academic. And we can hear the discussion about how they're building for next season and how you know they should have played XYZ. I would love that, and it would, there would be no finer end to the season for me than. Than that, and then hopefully a march to potentially a treble. But it's a it's a tough draw. Three games in short proximity will be extremely difficult. But you know we can we can hope.
1: Uh your yourself, Simone.
2: Um. Yeah. In terms of, I mean, the the phrase the king of the trebles. It would have been nice. The the prospect of beating Rangers in both domestic cups and to the league would have been nice. But you've always got that in the back of your head, and I said it last week. As much as I think we are a better team than Rangers. I think with the squad they've got, they are capable of setting us up and beating us at a, beating us on a given day. So it comes with risk. See when it's the last kick of the ball of the season, it's not nice. It's not nice when you lose that game and then you've got the rest of the summer to wait for. Um, so the semi-finals, okay by me um, in in terms of that. And then if we did beat them, they, you know it would be be easier to get tickets. You would be pretty confident of us winning that game given who the opposition would be and uh, you know, it would be all nice kinda, a day out at the end of the season but I'm going back to the point I made you know, we have we are going to play them three times as much as I think we're better and I think we're capable of winning all those three games, you know sometimes it doesn't work out that way, as you said, that you can get a stuffy one, I think the way that they can set up with the, the two holding midfielders, you know on a given day when we're maybe not Hitting the heights, they 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 can kind of stop us from winning. I, I I always have that in my mind. We are better than them, but not to the point whereby you turn up and you know you're going to win like we did in you know the recent past, where it was just like you didn't really give much consideration to whether you would win or lose. I I, I wouldn't want the support to get into that mindset. But you go into it confident, as Alan says, you probably knew you were going to need to beat them to win the cup um, anyway. If we get the win at Celtic Park, you know, and assuming we don't drop anything before then, twelve points clear, and then we beat them in the semi final, you're just cruising. Then after that, and it's uh, Alan's kind of licking his lips at the prospect of that. But that's the stakes. That's where we are. That's the the bar for for the the the, the, the side, and you know the manager will be telling them to do that. So as much as you know, there's a wee trepidation about it a wee bit of nervousness you're also relishing it and I can't wait
1: yeah absolutely uh, so that's obviously the game from, from last week and that's the Scottish Cup semi-final draw we get got a question from Troy um, Troy asks hi lads a year from now who do you think will have made the biggest impact in the team Kobayashi, Iwata or Haxabanovich? He also says does anyone not have any idea why Hitati always stands up during the huddle? I, I I don't have any I don't have any insight, I'm sure. I wonder if we can get some. Um
3: but He hates Celtic is the only conclusion that I
1: can come to. That's that's exactly him and uh, what was what was the other um who was that awful Sheffield United striker? Who was absolutely dreadful? Make palmy. I am. Um, so I'm sure they're pals. Um, I remember him
3: and John Fleck standing up whilst the rest of their team did a huddle. And I remember thinking... Pathetic. Ah, that's nice. Nah, no, I, I genuinely did laugh. That was quite funny. It's like, steady it off, mate. It's fine. No, Celt- no, no deal bother.
1: Celtic on the mind, as always. Uh, anyway, Troy's question... A year from now, who do you think will have made the biggest impact? So, Kobayashi, Awata, or Haksabanovic? Uh, three players in and around the squad. Uh, they're not starting um, as often as I'm sure all of them would like. Awata seems to be coming on really pretty regularly. Um, Haksabanovic is getting more time. Kobayashi came on uh, against Hearts. Chris, I'll, I'll throw this over to you first. Um, who do you think will have made the biggest impact? Kobayashi, Awata, or Haksabanovic this time next year?
2: Haksabanovic. I think uh, I think you knew that answer was coming, Christopher. Um, I mean, going with the squad that we've got just now, and caveated by assuming there's no there's no transfers um, between now and then. That midfield's quite you know it, 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 it's quite packed in terms of kind of the pecking order at the moment. It's um, obviously it's McGregor, Hattati and Moy. You've also got O'Reilly in there. So for Awata to come in and have the game time, necessary game time to make an impact, would be, you know, I think it would be difficult for him. Not saying he's not got the tools to do that, um, but it 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 would be difficult. With Kobe Ashi as well, I mean, I thought he was really good against Hearts. You know, very promising, very comfortable in the ball. Um, it, you know, there was always that thing in the back of my head where he was. A famous Celtic project, but I don't think Ange really goes for that. So um, it was refreshing to see his performance, and, and you know, you, you see what he, he's got going for him. But right now, as it stands, Starfelt and, and Carter Vickers, it's difficult to see that partnership being bro- broken up. You know, um, and and Kobe actually coming in. So I genuinely do think it's it, it's Haksabanovic. I just think his talent, um, it, it, you know, will start to kind of build, and 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 he'll show that. I mean. He suffered an injury, he was starting to come on to a real bit of form, you know, just before the World Cup then unfortunately picked that injury up um, scored the goal against Hearts and I think he'll just kick on Let's be honest, I'll be perfectly frank I've nailed my colours to the mast <laughs> with him so part of that's why I'm saying what I'm saying but I do genuinely think that there's a real football player there and whilst I'm a fan of the other two I just think in the positions that they're playing
3: He's
1: going um, to get more opportunity
3: He's going to get more opportunity
1: uh, uh, Do you agree Alan with any sort of kind uh, of challenged that.
3: Um no I just I like the idea that it's man is back to horse whether he <laughs> believes in the horse or not doesn't really matter now because he's he's staked his money. Um so I I think success and if you're comparing those three just against each other I think it'll be extremely difficult because well, Harak Sabanovic has been here you know for this season and he's not a guaranteed starter. So I think Awata might be the one for me that will, as time goes on, will find his game time increasing, increasing, um, and she's hinted at a slight change, which in system, which could potentially favour Awata. Um, but even if, if he doesn't, I feel like he's a player that there's going always going to be game time in the middle of the park there, and he looks comfortable. You know, I've been really impressed with him in a unassuming way, if you like. Um, he looks like he's kind of gelling in quite quickly, comfortable in both feet. Um, doesn't mind the physical side of the game. You know, he looks like a player that he could, oh, I'm not suggesting he'll get player of the year, but it looks immediately like a player that you could use and that you're happy and you're happy to trust. And I've talked about the cup final being a bit of a watershed moment, potentially. Um, and since then, Iwata has been a player that Ansh has gone to, and he's not gone to David Turnbull. Which and they are largely competing for game time in the same areas, even though they're very different players. So, I think um, I think Owata could be a could be the one out of the three that finds that he's he's on the pitch more often than not. Um, with regards to the other two, but it's, it's not to say the other two won't do well. Ashi is largely still a complete unknown. Forty five minutes away in a game that we you know two 0 up in. It's very very difficult to judge from that, so um, he is he's an the outlier there. I just haven't seen enough of him
1: yet. Uh, I'll stick with you, Alan, and I'll get your thoughts as well, Chris. What, what what's your thoughts on O? Um, has he? He's a, he looks like a he's got a lot in his kind of. It looks like he looks like he's a he's a good player, right? Not 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 saying he's not in any way a good player, but he maybe looks a little bit rawer than maybe we thought. Mm-hmm. Um you kind of cuz to me it looks like if if um if kiyogo got injured i'm not convinced O would be starting i think it would probably be maida um mm-hmm. is that is that unfair what what what's your, is all where maybe we need that second striker to be yet or do you think that will come with time well
3: i hope hope they'll come with time he's got a lot of ability and i think you can see that he's um he's got the physical attributes right away and he loves a battle he's inexperienced I think you can see that um giving away fills. it was very unlucky to get booked I think um yeah. you know in the in the previous game I just I, th- I think he's got that and that will definitely come with time that is game time and experience and that'll take a bit of adapting to the league because he's a big strong guy and he's now coming up against guys that want to battle so you need to almost kind of learn where the line is. And that that, that does just take time. But I, I don't have any doubt you'll find that. What you want to see is, is, does he have the technique? Does he have that instinct? And I think the one thing that you kind of see from him very early doors is that he's trying to do a lot with the ball in very limited game time. He, he looks like a player that's getting 15 minutes a game. I suppose the, the nicest way you could put it. Because it looks like when he comes on, and it's frustrating, but especially when it comes on games where we're maybe leading 3 4 1, and other players are just, they're not taking a foot off the gas, but they're definitely not pushing as hard as they were. And that's frustrating for him. And I think you can see that. He's trying to do a lot. He's the drag back and then shot. I've seen that from him quite a few times. I think, kind of similar to the, the discussion I was having earlier about the wingers and just doing the right things, I think the one thing Andrew would may be maybe trying to communicate to him is just to just try and simplify things just a little bit, and then the moments will come. Um, I, th- I don't think he's... I think I would be nervous if Kugo was to get down with an injury and we had to go with O between now and the end of the season. And that's not me saying that I don't like him as a player. It's just that I think he, he's definitely... Raw is a, a polite way of putting it. Um, he's trying to do too much in, in the limited game time he's got, but he's a player that believes in himself, and he's a player that the manager obviously believes in as well. I don't have any doubt for a second that if I didn't think he was near it, he wouldn't bring him on. He would go with, he would make another change. He would put a bader through the middle or maida through the middle. He has no, he doesn't have any problem making those hard decisions of not bringing someone on. So I think he obviously sees something in him and it'll take time. But I think the best of him will definitely be next season, or some of the best of him will be next season. I think between now and end of the season, you might see a little bit more of that kind of frustration, maybe just trying a little bit too much, a little bit too quickly. Um, But it will come again, time and experience. I think it's a big adjustment for a striker like him. So um, I think we need to kind of leave the the judgment open for uh, another year or so on, I would imagine. Uh,
1: Yourself, Chris, what you said there, Alan, is kind of essentially was what I was trying to get across, if um, if Kyogo was unavailable, you would be a little bit more nervous. And I guess that's it. And again, that's no disrespect to, oh, he's a young man and he's, you know, learning a new league and a new style. What's your take on it, Chris?
2: Just on that, I think that's a fair point. I would kind of caveat it with this version of Kyogo because there was a point where he was off the boil. And when you're having a conversation... Where about whether you would start Giacomakis or you would start Kyogo. I think that, in hindsight, maybe at the time you wouldn't have flagged this up, but I think that signals that where Kyogo was at that point. But he's, he's, he's just absolutely flying just now. So even if Giacomakis was here and Kyogo was to get injured, I would be concerned about what we would do going forward. Even though he's got, he's got a proven goal-scoring record, I still would have had that concern. It's prob- that's probably heightened with O because... I think Raw is a very good word to describe them. Clear attributes there, talent, um, but you know, maybe just kind of trying too much. On that as well, I mean, obviously it was, we, we signed O, but we were heavily linked with Cho uh, and the, the, the transfer window as well. And there was some murmurings in the press about, you know, we would still go for both of them. It's entirely feasible that we saw what, age show was how much we were going to pay and where we thought we could develop him when we went for him, but we're still minded to go for another striker in the in in, in the summer. People are assuming that because of it's the front three and going through the middle, it's you know, unless you can get a utility player that can play across the front three, people are thinking, well wait a minute, two strikers that play through the middle is probably enough. I'm not so sure that's the case. I think that the manager might look to strengthen there. It might be Cho, or it might be somebody in that mould. Who's maybe a wee bit further down the line, a wee bit more experience, still young enough that you know there would be resale value in terms of bringing them through. Um, so between now and the end of the season, obviously we can't do anything about that. But I think I think we might have an eye on somebody else coming through um, there because at this stage it, it does look like a guy who would be a fairly significant step down from Kyogo. But that's not to take away from what the player he could be so it's not a criticism it's just a probably assessment of where he is just now
1: yeah and you know we've got some news um, and it's about another kind of player and maybe similar to O and and Kyogo in regards to the quality of the first team pick Um, Greg Taylor uh basically steve clark he, he wasn't named in steve steve clark's scotland squad which kind of raised a lot of eyebrows um and Gre- um, <clears throat> steve clark uh, was quoted as saying i have had a chat with greg it's really a celtic issue more that more mm-hmm. than for me to com- comment on he's carrying a little injury he will probably benefit from arrest rather than coming away from the with the national team uh, and celtic will, should elaborate on it um is that a worry now, this, this time, the this obviously time with the international break is, is probably good for everyone. Um, are you worried about Greg Taylor and, and these injuries? He does play a lot of games, Alan, and he's already had a time out this season as well. What's Because obviously Bernabeu is your, your kind of go-to and very similar to O. He's very young, he's very raw and you know, recently when he's played, he, he's found it tough. What's your thoughts?
3: Yeah, I was just chuckling at the notion that Celtic might elaborate. Um, I would imagine Ange Postecoglou would have been furious that Steve Clark, um gave away the details of one of his players' injuries. Um, so I, I don't know how much we'll hear on that. It, it sounds like an issue that maybe just needs um, kind of watched as opposed to he's going to be out for a period of time. And I think that's what you've seen with international team selection at this time of year. International managers are a little bit more minded to be sympathetic to knocks and strains as opposed to in September when it's, well, the important matches, I guess. Uh, not, not to belittle the international calendar, but if, if Greg Taylor was to miss out, I know he missed out, what was it, three or four weeks previously with a can injury, or maybe three weeks, I, I would be, it's probably one of the areas of the team where our next our next alternative is probably weakest. Um I think any other area of the park, you would feel confident it was doing that. Um, and we have done that. We've missed out CCV, McGregor, all during Angie's time here, Kyogo, and we've coped with it and we've succeeded. Left-back would be a real test of that because test. Um, Bernabeu hasn't played a lot of football um, and he's had mixed success when he has. Um, again, that old disclaimer that we took about four minutes to play, that's largely what you've got with Bernabeu. But you've got a bigger sample size, and again, he has been here longer, which then can lead you to think that that will take longer. So, if you're going to the business end of the season relying on him and him only, then I think it would be, you know, it would definitely weaken the squad. It might be good for his development long term, but all we are interested in is trophies, um, especially at this time of the season. So, hopefully, we're able to kind of manage Greg Taylor's game time, and by proxy, that will probably mean that in some of these league games, potentially, you might see Burnaby coming in in games where Taylor is available, but they just want to make sure that he can make it through for these big games against Rangers and for these um, cup games. So hopefully, um, hopefully that is the case, as opposed to you know something a bit more severe.
1: Uh, Chris, your thoughts
2: in terms of Taylor? I mean, as a concern, I mean, I suppose before we Clark clarified that we an injury, I mean. Scotland have got Robertson and Tierney at left back, so Greg Taylor not being picked could quite easily be justified in terms of of his place in the squad. But uh, I'm glad he's not there then and I'm glad he's got this period of time to maybe recuperate because Burnaby for me is a guy who, you know, you don't want to write him off completely, but he's at an end of the park as well. You know, a guy like oh, you could perhaps play in games and you know, in, in terms of, 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 of uh carrying him forward if we were in a position we had to. I really wouldn't want to rely on Burnaby for any length of time. And that's not, you know, in fact, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say that's not a kind of comment on what the player he might be. I'm I'm not sure what player he's going to be. For, for me, he just, there's a lot of basics that he's not doing right just now. Positionally, he looks nervous. Um, so if we were in a position, Greg Taylor's a guy who's completely transformed in the minds of the Celtic support to the point now where you're thinking if he's injured, you're really starting to worry. Because I think we've seen the impact of his substitution at uh, Ibrox earlier in the season where it wasn't aided by how poor a performance it was from Juranovic. but you know, it's, it shows how important he is to the setup and he is to the team. I yeah, don't really want to think about
1: it. Yeah, I mean, we, st- we had that wee bit of insurance, but I know, obviously, other than other than um, the uh, performance at Ibrox against Rangers, take that out of the picture. But you did have that sort of insurance a little bit, with Juranovic being able to play both wings, um, are both kind of um, full-back positions. Um, that, you know, that, that was something that we had that we could kind of rely on, Alan. We just don't have that. With If Burnaby's kind of put into that position, it, you're just going to have to go with it, I guess. I mean, he, w- he wouldn't do anything else, would he?
3: Well, I don't know, because we thought that that would be the natural choice at Ibrooks. and granted, Juranovic is probably a bit more adept at playing both sides. Uh if you are having to if Taylor is not there and there's no prospect of being there, potentially so if there was an aggravation of an existing injury and he was out for 46 weeks, I think at some point you would see Ralston or Alex um Alistair Johnson, sorry, shifting over um, and a bit of flexibility in how you approach it as opposed to just going with Bernabe and saying you're the guy because he's not played a lot of football and probably missed a bit of training as well, I would imagine, obviously with his um, situation at home and, and having a, a baby so he probably wouldn't be able to perform at that kind of level um, week on week potentially a midweek thrown in so yeah I, th- I think you might see different options but given there's no other natural left back it would mean that you know it's um, he's next up at bat I feel like um, and it would be his, his to lose but the fact I think we quickly realised shortly after the Rangers game And back in January, why he wasn't the go-to when Taylor went off injured, why you thought, actually, I'll trust another non-natural left-back to fulfil that role. Granted, it backfired on the day, but Burnaby's performance in the subsequent weeks, I think, made you, I think, a little bit more appreciative of why that decision was taken.
1: Absolutely. And this kind of brings us nicely into the the game on Saturday against, (coughs) excuse me, a a game on Saturday against Hibs. Um, We can talk about various positions, obviously. Uh, Hibs are currently, they're fourth in the table. They are five points behind Hearts, who are obviously third. And they are, you know, I was looking at this, the table today, and I was thinking, you know, people are talking about like Aberdeen, how, how poorly Aberdeen have been, and you know the bit of a kind of managers being sacked and everything. They're only two points off Hibs and fourth. Uh, it's it's quite it's such a tight league uh, below. Obviously us and them, um, and then the obviously drop off is quite big. Um, Hibs themselves, uh, they have they lost four one to Rangers in their last game, um, but they've been on one two three four five seven games undefeated. Uh, in the league before that Rangers game. How are you feeling um, about the idea of taking on Hibs at Celtic Park on Saturday, Christopher Somani?
2: Confident. Um, I mean, uh, pointing out obviously how tight the league is as well and, 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 and with Aberdeen. I mean, these are sides who I think Hibs, Hearts and Aberdeen have all went on runs this season and then they've, they've, they've all kind of came to an end um, sort of thing. Megedi was was playing well for them and then obviously he's had a bad injury and he's 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 not going to play again this season, um, but they're not a side, they're a, because of their name and their you know their, their pedigree even when they're not um, on form, I always look forward to playing Hibs, you know, they're one of those sides that see even if like Ross County were kind of scaling the heights of the Premier League it's not something that I would it's got the same kind of attraction as, as, as Hibs do, but for me it's just another game that I'm relishing playing we're in great form I'm expecting us to you know to keep that going, and I think Hibs. I'm not sure they'll come out too much, but they're a team who are more traditionally less defensively minded. I think that they maybe paid for that against Rangers during the week. I didn't see the game, but um, I think that's the way it was explained. They came at them a wee bit more and maybe get picked off. I'm not expecting them to kind of come at as gung ho, but you know there may be uh, opportunities for us to exploit that and. Um, Score some goals, which is exactly what I'm looking for these days.
1: <laughs> these days, before you were looking. No, no, goals weren't that important.
2: Just yeah. want, just wanting a win, but you know, standards are high, Christopher. It's not, you know, it's not just about winning. I want to be entertained, and I'll be writing a strongly worded letter to the board if I am not on 90 Saturday.
1: Ninety goals in the league this season, and uh, conceded twenty. Uh, Alan, uh, Hibs at home on a Saturday, three p.m. kickoff. Uh, are you looking forward to it?
3: Um, and it is the, it is obviously the kind of end to this kind of mini season, if you like, and kind of breaking it down before we come back and finish it off. So it's exciting. Hibs at home is a, could be an interesting one as well, because Hibs are, can be wild at times. And there is the potential that it could be an exciting game. Um and they are, obviously, it's a different team and he's trying to develop it, but it's a squad that I think he would love to overhaul, um, Lee Johnson. Um, and he'd probably tell you that if you asked him because he's very frank in his interviews, which can be quite entertaining as well. So well, they've got a tune-out some guys. I think Wuhan's done exceptionally well for them, but you would really fancy us if we do perform then there could be goals reserve and it would be a really nice way to cap off. I do like the idea of before the international break putting in a really, really strong performance. It feels like it energizes the players a little bit. Um and then hopefully you can pick up exactly from where you left off. So it's a really good opportunity for us. Um, and I think it could be a I genuinely think it could be a really entertaining game. I'm maybe a bit different for I think Hibbs will come and they'll they'll try and have a go. I don't unless Lee Johnson's had an epiphany, which several beatings at the hand so Celtic and obviously recently Rangers might have given them but I think you might just try again and say let's go and play a natural game and if they do then you know could be a cracker on Saturday
1: uh, We've got a full preview of the game um dropping on the cynic.co tomorrow where we do again tactical analysis of what we think uh, Hibs are going to bring and, and how we can beat them. I also spoke to uh someone from the Hibs Ramble which is a Hibs podcast and I asked them as like are Pep's going to come are they going to go five at the back are they going to be really defensive or are they going to try and come at us and he didn't know uh him. he was talking about how he's he, after the 4-1 defeat to rangers it kind of knocked knocked a bit of confidence obviously because they'd been on a really quite good quite a good run so this hips team aren't really set up to be defensive Mm-hmm. And, and and I think that's one of the kind of issues when they come to, you know, Celtic Park or they're playing against Rangers at Easter Road, that they can't set up to be defensive. And so I, I kind of think they can kind of only play one way. And that really plays into our hands, Chris. It's a free
2: hit, I suppose, for them, unless in the eventuality that we put several goals past them. So, I'd obviously... We want them to because we can really exploit that. We can kind of find space and and potentially put on a real show. Um, but I would tend to agree. I don't think that they've they don't think they've got the personnel in terms of maybe going and uh, you know playing more defensively. Um, but at, at, at the same time. You know, I think that they did get a bloody nose. I mean, it's one of those games we we were at Celtic Park that night, and you're thinking Easter Road or maybe listening out that maybe somewhere that they'll drop points, and it just didn't happen. Which was quickly put the phone back in the pocket instead of looking at flash score every two minutes, you know. But um, yeah, I'd love it if they do that, but you know, it's we are capable of taking several goals off a side if they do that. So they, they they're
3: obviously going to be mindful of that. I like the idea that Jack Ross, if he was listening to this, which I presume he doesn't, would have um, would have been thrown his phone across the room when Sermani said, you know, it's a free hit for them. <laughs> you no, know, After he gets absolutely cuffed and then just walks up to the gym and says, I should probably go. Let's get my stuff.
1: I'll see myself out. Uh, Alan, who would you looking for? Same, same again in regards to the personnel, that back five, you know, we, we've mentioned Greg Taylor, Starfelt. Um we don't quite know the um severity of his injury. Um so I'm sure we'll find out at the press conference tomorrow. Um how would you line up? Would there be many differences or would it be a similar team?
3: I think you'd probably go similar given that you've probably got a break for some guys. Um so you've got you you've always got the option and you're not you've not got an eye on midweek. Um I think if there's any risk with Starfelt and probably to a similar extent my either then you would be mindful of it. But I would imagine both will be fit and available. And if they are, then they'll certainly be there or right thereabouts. So I think if staff felt fit and available, I think he would play. Um, I don't think that he would have been, you know, kind of usurped because will be Ash's performance or anything like that. I don't see too much change there between now and the end of the season. Um, but given that some, you know, players will want to be in contention, I wouldn't be surprised to see a change or two at the weekend. Um I do, I think Hak will keep his spot, which I know is what Samani wants to hear, but I, I think he is, I, th- I think he'll get a run, um, and by a run, he'll, he'll get it this weekend, and then you know, all bets are off because you've got a break, of, you know, a week and a half, so, you know, you don't know what will happen thereafter, but I could see maybe one or two elsewhere. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe there's a wee shift at fullback. I think if Taylor has pulled out of the Scotland squad, probably wouldn't be too surprised if he maybe goes Burnaby again, um, played in midweek against Hearts, he might have an eye on that and try and get him up to speed a little bit and yeah. just give Taylor, you know, a two-week break, which would be good for him if he's got, you know, a wee muscle tweak or anything like that. So Bernabe Haxa stays and save everywhere else.
1: All oh, yourself, Chris, uh, similar or any kind of different personnel changes?
2: Yeah, Haxa stays, that's it. He's, he's in so um,
1: you're uh, to one of the biggest fans of Haxabanovich as well I, I love him so yeah I'm in
2: love it good 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 I, I do I think the personnel might be dictated injury wise just in terms of um, if Taylor's doing that carrying it Bernabeu's played against Hibs at home earlier in the season that's and, right played
1: well he played well, uh, played well. Yeah. he
2: did he contributed Haxabanovich in that game Super as
1: well Super was excellent so
3: goes without saying oh you too uh, <laughs> can give it a break he is not even a regular starter
1: he scored two goals, did he not against Hibs at home? So, Alan Kerry, remember, nah.
3: he, he was. I nah, have no idea. He was, he well, Hibs wearing a top of candy on it, <laughs> <by any chance.
1: laughs>
3: very
2: good. Um, yeah, personnel may be forced by injuries, you know, if Starfelt still kind of got that, that that's what it might be, but potential change in, in midfield. I, I still think that, um. Although Moy's in possession of the jersey just now, he'll be looking to maybe try to get some game time for Matt O'Reilly. So I think you might see him come in in the middle of the park. Um, and again, it goes back to the point that we've made several times: you can make these changes because there's there's quality there. You know, you're not downgrading the kind of um, ability of the team. And then if it doesn't work, you, you, you can bring you can bring like I don't know Moy or whoever off the bench to kind of change the game. So. There might be some changes um, some forced some just to kind of freshen things up but we should have more than enough to kind of see us through.
1: Uh, Haksmanovic got uh, assists as opposed to, to goals in the 6-1 victory. So,
3: Oh I see. <laughs> it's, it's you guys that have made their a heel then not me.
1: Well, you it's, it's you j- guys.
2: You guys. I think it was Chris. Sorry.
3: James. I just assumed he'd scored because he's
2: the greatest. James,
1: I say, that's, that's game where James Forrest gets get the hat trick? Alan, so even better for yes.
3: you. I mean, you're, you're asking the guy who couldn't work out the fraction of potential <laughs> of Aye, one three, in three teams earlier. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that perplexed me for about thirty seconds at that point. So probably not best to dig into my mind and my memory, Chris.
1: Um, I, I think. I think we're. We're all kind of in agreement that there might only be one or two changes in regards to, you know, Starfield Taylor, and he'll probably more than likely go with the same team. But would this be an opportunity for Anawata? Um, just in that, you know, you know, we've got a, a two-week break. You're not going to drop Callum McGregor, although I mean,
2: Anawata or the one that plays for us, or just the, anyone,
3: Christopher.
1: Um, I, I mean, um, aye. He's
2: uh,
3: not getting anything in his mind here, Chris. He, he went blank there. <laughs> <laughs> he went entirely blank. <laughs> uh,
1: would it be a, a place to to bring someone like Iwata in? You know, Kobayashi, there's a chance he might play just because of, you know, Starfield's injury and, and, and Berabai. Would three changes be a bit too much? And you'd maybe, you know, because we've seen lots of changes in the past have maybe kind of made the game difficult. Would it be two is enough? No need more? What's your thoughts, Alan?
3: I, well, the, the, there's a rationale to rest Callum McGregor on the basis that it, obviously the area with Scotland uh, I haven't actually looked at the Scotland team but I presume Callum McGregor is in there obviously yes, a key player yeah. um, and he does tend to play and play a lot of football but the downside of it is if you're making changes elsewhere even if you're not making changes elsewhere Callum McGregor is a beating heart of the team so look, we can talk about it we can talk about Awata it's not a reflection on him that he's not replacing Callum McGregor I just think and the risk is too high He'll trust him to know his own body. Cal McGregor knows when he's pushing it, maybe. If he'll put in a comfortable position, I don't doubt that he would be one of the ones you'd look at to try and take him off. But I, the, the idea that he doesn't start on Saturday to me is um, nonsense, to be honest. So we'll see.
2: <laughs> we'll see. The thing the thing about McGregor is he's, he's just had a, an extraordinary capacity to play hunnels and hunnels of football. You know, you see a guy like Kean Tierney who... Also played hunters and hunters of football and, and, and that's probably played out In terms of the injuries he carried through his career It's not been the case for McGregor it, it, it is remarkable And there's part of part of your brain thinking How long can he keep doing that So you do start to maybe think in your head You know maybe You, you start to rest him But he doesn't show any signs of, of slowing up just now He just remains Really fresh And, and, and unaffected by the football he plays so I would tend to agree with Alan. You know, it might be something that you would do, but in terms of his importance to the team and, and you know that kind of totem in the middle of the park being our captain, I I, I just don't think you drop him for very very many games at all. I certainly I, not now between now and the yeah. end.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so Celtic versus Hibbs, It's uh, Saturday, three p.m. kickoff. Uh, we'll have a reaction to that game drop straight afterwards. Um, looking forward to that, and we'll also have a full preview. Um, that will be available on Friday at midday, so check that out as well. All available on thecynic.co um, We're going to finish just by talking uh, we've got a couple of questions about the omission uh, of Hitati and Kyogo from the Japan squad um, Question: First question from Liam. With the non-selection of Kyogo and Hitati by Japan do we need to be worried about attracting players? The quality of the rest of the league just seems to be getting worse and I fear that if we are if it's affecting players international prospects it will harm our ability to attract them even if we do keep improving in our scouting and player trading model what do you guys think? Isolated incident with the two Japanese guys or a potential systemic issue? Kevin McGoldrick also asks uh, do you think the constant omission of Atati and possibly Kyogo from the Japanese squad especially given the managers comments about the league that would make them consider their futures this summer? I'll just run over some of the, the comments I won't go through all of them um, but the Japanese manager says, I've watched all of Celtic's games and seen what they've accomplished and their presence in the team. Talking about Kyogo and Hattati. But there's no bar to clear to be called up. It's a comprehensive decision. We think about the level of the league and various other factors when making these decisions. Though putting together a group for... And he talks about the the, the squad games against uh, Qatar. Uh, Mariaso said he didn't need... Persuaded that Hattati or Kyogo could cut it at international level. For this squad, we focused on the squad f- from Qatar as well as some new players. As I said, we're trying to build the strongest team possible ahead of 2026. In order to do that, we're taking a wide view of how to build a national team. I think we'll agree that Kyogo and uh, Atate would absolutely be able to contribute to the team. Um, there's been a lot of talk about this and there's been a lot of kind of discussion and debate about you know the level of the league. Obviously, Craig, Craig Levine came out and talked about you know, how to improve the level of the league. We're going to discuss that in a little bit more detail probably on Monday. Um, I'll get Alan and Kieran's thoughts on that. Um but with this, with the questions, do you think it's going to affect them, Chris, in regards to... I mean, Kyogo was getting picked very regularly. We were all surprised that he wasn't getting picked for the, the Japanese uh, World Cup squad. We don't know the lay of the land in regard to all the, the Japanese squad and the, the, the domestic talent. Maybe there's you know players who are more worthy in regards to... I, I don't know. We can't really make those comments. But do you think it would affect them, the fact that they're not getting picked, to the point where they'd consider their future at Celtic.
2: I, I think the question was asking about attracting players, and 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 I'm not sure that we would have still have a, we would have a problem attracting players because it might be a, it might be a factor. But what you get when you come to Celtic, you know, winning trophies, playing attacking football, um, competing in Europe every season, depending on what level, is very attractive for players, especially you know players that maybe haven't played in Europe as a stepping stone. We've got a track record of players coming here and either moving on to the Premier League or like Frimpong moving on to the Bundesliga. So I think we've still got that attraction, but there may be an issue. It may, it, it, it's potentially a reason if they then decide that they want to move on. Um, Hatati and Kyogo, Hitati more for me though, is a guy who I think is destined to play in a stronger league. And... I think his and ability and I'm assuming his own ambition would be enough for that to happen in the next season or two but I don't think it would help if the Japanese manager continues not to pick him inciting the reason that the quality of the league's one of the, one of the factors that's playing into that I mean, it is head scratching, that's probably it's a head scratcher why he hasn't picked and part of that probably is we don't have enough of an understanding of the, the, the Japanese squad but every time Hattati's not picked, it's, Kyogo, less so, obviously, he's in f- the form he's in just now, you would maybe say this as well, but everybody goes, they must have some midfield if he's not being picked. And that is immediately what you think. Um, but there is still part of me thinks, how can he not make the squad? I mean, it's just, it's strange, and maybe this is a, a snobbery, but the point that you make about Kyogo getting regularly picked when he was played in Japan, you know, w- <laughs> You obviously then know what he's like, capable of playing in a league that you maybe deem to be stronger than Scotland, you know, why wouldn't you pick him now? That, that's Maybe Japan is, is a league stronger than Scotland, but I would be fairly confident that we would be able to beat any team in Japan, you know, Celtic, I mean, so I don't know. It's, you know, I, 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 I don't get it. I don't know why it's the case, but... It may be a consideration in terms of player retention going forward. Vickers, Carter Vickers is maybe another guy. He's not been picked for the USA squad. There's maybe some rumours that the manager just doesn't particularly rate him and that might change if there was a different manager there. But the fact that he's not getting picked as well. And again, I confess, I don't know a huge amount about the US squad, but I'm thinking, I don't see why that's, why that's the case.
1: It, it just, it just doesn't help Alan really, does it?
3: No, it's, we like the idea of players getting rest, and on one off occasions, I can see that. But when it comes to actually players being selected and being favoured by their international managers, that's what you want because um, if the players are happy, then they're happy at Celtic, and that's good, and that helps with that retaining aspect that, that, that Samani talked about. Um, I think the Japan squad is obviously very, very strong. They had a very successful World Cup. Yeah. Um, There's different discussions, I think, when you're talking about Kyogo and Hitate and for the reasons that Samani mentioned. Kyogo was an outstanding talent in the J-League and he was selected a lot when he was there. I think it might just be fairly clear that the manager just sees the future without Kyogo. Um, And I know that sounds ridiculous, but from our point of view, but he coped at the World Cup well without him. Um, He's 27, I think. I think it's a different discussion. If he hits the the heights in Europe next year, then obviously there would be a route back in. Hatate is different. He is trying to break into that team and really cement a place in that team. And I think that would be the one that would be the concern for me. Um, And I do, I think he is an immensely talented player and I'm surprised that the comments are odd because I'm surprised that you wouldn't use that opportunity to actually want to take a proper look at him, see him with the squad, see what his level is, because I think his ceiling is very, very high. I can always get it with Kyogo. If he feels that he needs a, a goal scorer to run in behind and someone that is lethal in the box with intelligent movement, he knows he can go and pick Kyogo anytime. any time. He knows what he's capable of. Hitati's a different story and I'm that's the one that I'm surprised that he didn't pick him. And the comments I just think are a bit unnecessary. It's also not helped by the dynamic that you picked, Dyson Maeda, who plays yeah. in this league and is an outstanding star as well and was, again, extremely successful in the J-League. So I think whatever way you approach those comments, whatever angle you try to take, it just doesn't quite add up. So, you know, it's... it's but then, again, that maybe goes to what somebody says about we don't know the, the, the situation at the J-League. I'm sure there's other people that have a take on it, but whatever way you look at it, I, I just don't feel it adds up.
2: Yeah. Chris? I, I think the point in Maeda being picked is... It's an interesting one because I don't think you'd find many Celtic fans who wouldn't rate Maeda but would rank him three if you were asked to rank those players in order um, and quite easily rank him third um, out of those and he's consistently packed and he scored at the World Cup and we know he's got a lot of attributes but technically and in, 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 in the impact that they've had in the league you would have Kyogo and Hattati ahead of them but I suppose on that in terms of the con- the, the the comments in the league I think we only need to think back to our current manager's comments on um, Tom Rogic and in, in playing in Scotland uh, and some of the concerns he had about that. I think sometimes it's it's easy to do that. It's easy to kind of just kind of make comment on um, a league that really doesn't particularly affect you. You know, when you're far away, sort of thing. Um, so I, I I don't know what to read into those comments. But ultimately there's something that doesn't add up if Maeda's still getting picked. He's obviously got he's he's obviously not concerned about Scottish football, the standard of Scottish football, if he's picking Maeda. So yeah, it's a it's it's a strange one. But from a Celtic football playing point of view right now, I'm all for it. Alan <laughs> um.
3: Remember at Tynecastle at half time when Hitati and Kyogo were coming off the park and we were having that really heated discussion would now know for a fact that we're both saying about. Despite that, despite that great first half performance, about that prick still doesn't <laughs> <laughs> guarantee that's what happens. So, Maeda is finding himself getting um, frozen out at the changing rooms at Lennox Town because he's a scab because he's actually going and playing for Japan. So, so about you, Dyson? Uh, if he's not, I want to hear that wee calf knock of um, um a wee bit worse over the next couple of days, so he doesn't have to join up with the squad.
1: Yeah, I, I think overall, I don't think it's going to affect us um, recruiting players but it might affect us retaining players yeah yeah yeah. yeah
3: I, think I, that, I think that's fair to say I think, yeah. I think just on that with Hitati I'm not sure it'll make too much of a difference just in terms of the timeline Yeah, I think for other examples it could be but I don't think he'll look at it and think I need to go this summer so that I get picked I think the following year he might arrive at that scenario anyway but there could be another player in another scenario where that is the case but I think the timeline for Hatati probably will be okay and then I think with the Carter Vickers one, I can only assume that that's, um, that's just maybe again similar to the Taylor one, just a little bit of a knock, maybe just being a bit protective and trying to, he needs that rest in case he's been overloaded because America are not blessed with talent at centre-halves, you've seen that at the World Cup, when he came in he was exceptional, he was comfortable, they don't have have young centre-backs, so um, yeah, I can only assume that's just a, a, a wee kind of discussion between the manager and the player.
2: Chris, just just one last point. I think, I think that's it. The trajectory of these guys means that the decision to move on, that might be a factor, but not the sole reason for it. You could be in a position where you would sign, I mean, I suppose we're talking about Japanese players here, maybe, but I think there could be a situation where you've got a player at a certain level who's contributing to the team, but maybe isn't at a, a stage where necessarily that there's other clubs looking for them that isn't getting picked for the the national team that might who's particularly nationalistic and wants to play for the national team that you know. But I genuinely, I generally think recruitment won't be a problem in if the guys are kicking on at the level that they're kicking on, they're going to move on anyway. Um, So,
1: yeah, just that. Great comment. Great comment it finishes off. Um, Listen, this has been really, really fantastic. Um, We've got the Hibs game coming up the weekend, as we say. We've got uh, Celtic podcasts every single day. Um, We've got lots of stuff coming up over the weekend Um, and uh, on a daily basis. You can check us out at thecynic.co. We'll be back next week. Um, I think next week might be a wee bit more of a feature. Uh, Alan won't be here with us but uh, myself and Chris Amani and a special guest who's the third man who is the third man uh, we'll discuss that uh, later in the week but Alan Edgar, pleasure as always sir
3: Right, mate thank you, it was a pleasure to be a quarter of this successful show tonight
1: <laughs> Fun fun <laughs> gimmick uh, Chris Amani we'll speak to you next week Indeed,
2: see you then, thank you
1: From Alan Edgar, from Chris Armani, from myself Chris Gallagher, this has been the Cynic Weekly and we'll speak to you down the road.